This is Live Limitless, episode number six. Welcome to the Live Limitless podcast, where we interview normal, everyday people who decided to push their limits and live a much more limitless and remarkable life. I am your host, Matthew G. Bailey, international man of curiosity, a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and connoisseur of world travel. When the interview's over, please take a moment to visit livelimitless.net. Say hello, I'd love to hear from you. You can also sign up for the newsletter or just look at the information on all the past interviews. All right, now that the intro's over, let's do this. All right, welcome everyone to uh, Live Limitless podcast number six. Joining us on the show today is Nora Dunn from theprofessionalhobo.com. Uh, a writer and entrepreneur who has been traveling since 2006. And uh, you're currently living in the, the Caribbean, right? Yes, I am. I'm in Grenada. Sounds nice. I'm jealous. So. <laughs> and, uh, I was just going to say, what, what, what made you want to, to quit your career in the first place? Well, I, I was living in Toronto uh, at the time, and I was uh, busy running a financial planning practice. I was what I would call have called myself a medium-sized fish in a big pond. Uh, I was working with, with a lot of people uh, financially, but in a different way. I was helping them to actually try to embrace their dreams of what they wanted to do with their lives, and then engineer their finances to get them there. Uh, and for that kind of different theory of, of financial planning, I was starting to become a little renowned. But there was a little voice in the side of the back of my head that's kind of been a lifelong friend of mine that kicked in and said, Nora, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. There's something else out there for you. And this voice has kicked in many times and usually led to some sort of career change or, or addition of some new element to my life to try to fill that void and quiet the voice. Anyway, one thing led to another, to another, and I mean, you would say serendipity. If I'd read the signs, maybe in retrospect, the two car accidents and the bronchitis and the walking pneumonia were signs that I needed to slow down. Uh, and when I finally did slow down, uh, I realized that what I really wanted to do was, uh, I, well, someone asked me, some, a friend of mine said, well, Laura, what is it? What's wrong? What do you want to do? And I, and I said, I just want to retire. And, uh, and, and I mean, I said that in frustration, but then I thought, well, what does retirement really mean to me? Because knitting and gardening really aren't high on my list of things to do. What I, want, what I wanted to do is I wanted to climb the mountains of the world. I wanted to volunteer around the world. I wanted to experience life around the world. I wanted to break bread around dinner tables and other places around the world. And this had been born of a lifelong dream of traveling and, and learning to understand cultures and actually living around the world. So finally, I thought, well, you know what? There's no time like the present. And began the six-month process of selling everything I owned, including the business and the sports cards and the, acute, the accoutrements of a, of a lovely life. And, uh, and I took to the road, decided I wanted to travel full-time and had absolutely no idea what I was going to do, where I was going to do it, or how I was going to make it work. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> and what, uh, I guess, what types of reactions did you receive then from, from like colleagues and friends and family? Well, it's, it's pretty random. It's like, well, okay, Nora, so you're selling everything and you have no idea what you're going to do, right? Like, yeah, that's pretty yeah, much it. it. Um, at the time, actually, I, I somewhat randomly um, hooked my uh, my sights into a uh, an outward-bound instructor leadership course in Costa Rica. 
because I saw that as an opportunity. I thought, okay, well, I love outdoor education. Uh, I'd love to do this course and, and get all the accreditations I need in order to do all sorts of outdoor education exercises. It could be a job that would lead it, you know, to employment around the world. And this particular course also has a certain promise of, of employment in Costa Rica after that. So I just thought, all right, cool, that's a random good idea. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and I I told my family and my friends and, and my clients, I said I was taking off to do outdoor education, inspire people around the world and uh, wish me well. Um, and you know what? As, as worried as I was that I was going to get all sorts of bad reactions, the, the worst reaction, if you can call it a bad reaction at all, was a woman who just was a client of mine. And she just sat there and went, hmm, well, I have no idea why you would actually want to do that, but go ahead. <laughs> and it was just, that was it. I mean, the worst I got was a lack of understanding. The most I got was, uh, just cheers and, and, you know, go for it. And I wish I could come with you. And, and actually the most common response I got was, Oh my gosh, I really wish I could do that, but I know I never could. And whatever happened with that, that course in Costa Rica, did you take that? Well, no, you no. know what? One of the things that I learned, my first lesson learned in, in the world of travel as a lifestyle is that you, serendipity and opportunity works well. Um, a family wedding instead drove me west, and I actually ended up traveling across Canada uh, with Costa Rica still as a back burner item. But ever since that step on, there was always some another opportunity that, that sang more and, and helped me develop my travel style. So, <laughs> so you never I, made I it to, to Costa Rica. The opportunities are. Yeah, never made it. Nope, still working <laughs> on it. What were some of the... The first steps you, you took to get get started with, I guess, with both the traveling and and the and the new career, if you want to call it that, like the entrepreneurship. <laughs> well, the I mean, the entrepreneurship has been a lifelong uh, journey for me. So True. I mean, it, it's I've been lucky because I've run many businesses throughout my life. So I do. I'm lucky to have that. I guess the skills, if you will, to be able to see an opportunity and jump on it. Um, how I got started with it all, I mean, I didn't really know what I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, when it started, to, I, I had no idea that there were volunteer opportunities uh, like Wolfing, where you could uh, volunteer and trade for your accommodation. Um, I had no idea that there were actually ways to make money online. I could barely define a blog. Uh, so it was, I mean, it's 2006 as well. So it really was a, an untapped industry as it was, well. It was pre-four-hour work week, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I think it was just coming out then. Uh, so the, uh, but it was again. It was just an, uh, a journey unto itself. I mean, as I started a blog, I, uh, I I really did so only to keep in touch with family and friends. I mean, at at the time, the only way that people who were traveling stayed in touch with family and friends and told them what was happening is they'd send these mass emails. You know, like send one email to thirty people saying what you've been doing. I thought, no, I don't want anything in anyone's email box. I'll start a blog. <laughs> How unique. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it was solely for personal purposes. But as I continued to travel and write, and as I continued to research both travel opportunities as well as writing opportunities, I realized there was a whole, whole other world of, of uh, income opportunities in the form of, of uh, writing online. Did you ever have any? Or even writing. Sorry. Sorry. You first. I was going to say, did you ever have any... Um... Second thoughts about the big move, the big change? Before or after I started traveling? Both. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think second thoughts are, are, you know, before I started traveling, I, I don't know if you would call them second thoughts, but you might, uh, you might certainly call them uh, nervousness. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I was excited more than more than afraid, though. Um, I made sure I didn't burn any bridges uh, on my way out in such a way that if even if you know I didn't like life on the road or it didn't work out or or what have you, I could return and 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 be able to. I, I, it wouldn't be a problem for me to to set up another financial planning practice and and to get you know many of my clients back or to do whatever it was I wanted to do. So I, I really there was no fear of falling. There is just uh, excitement for the future. Awesome. And what would you say, like the, I guess, how, how long into the, the trip was it before you started to make an online income? Because at, at the beginning, was it mainly with savings? Um, yeah, I mean, I was very lucky when I sold my financial planning practice, it kicked out an income for me for the first two years. And I used that in order to pad my, uh, my travels. And it wasn't a huge income, but it taught me how to live on the road on a budget as well. Uh, and, and, and that was certainly my lesson into frugality. And then what I did was I gave myself those two years um, to develop uh, an online writing income portfolio that would be able to replace that income when it ran out. So I knew that writing is not exactly an easy career to step into. Uh, and it's not a high paying career at the best of times. So, uh, you know, I, I knew that when I started writing, I had to do, you know, gigs for free or for $20. I had to get the portfolio going, um, you know, online avenue, ad revenue sharing and for the group blogs and sites were only just starting to happen. So it was all very new, Wild West industry, if you will. Um, so it did, it took me over two years. I mean, when my, when my income from the sale of my business ran out, I didn't have it replaced with writing, but I was on my way. And by that point, I'd also learned some techniques for traveling in a very inexpensive way. For example, never having to pay for accommodation that really helped to, to complement, made me realize you really don't need a lot of money to live if you, if you know how you want to live. Yeah, exactly. So, so you chose, chose writing as your, your main form, right, mm -hmm. of online business? Yes. And you were yes. a writer before, or were you? Um, well, yes. Okay. Yes and no. Um, I have, I mean, I've written all my life. I actually used to take writing courses and, and write little books and such from when I was fairly young. When I was a financial planner, I, when I wrote financial plans for my clients, I didn't just print out a bunch of graphs and throw them into a booklet. I actually wrote to them. And I wrote these long 20-page, you know, essays speaking to my clients and helping them understand their situation. So um, it's always been a part of me and a part of what I've done. So choosing writing as a career uh, ended up being a, um, a light bulb moment, if you will, because I was embracing something that I've always loved to do. Awesome. I probably already know the answer to this one, but I was just going to say, do you think travel writing is a good avenue for kind of aspiring digital nomads? Um, oh, well, you know what? I'm trying to stump you now because you say you know the answer and, and, and I mean, you're expecting the answer to be no. And, and in some ways, yes, the answer is no, but I don't, I don't want to say no. Yeah. Yes, it is because I, I'm doing it. Um, the, yes, travel writing is a great uh, way for aspiring digital nomads. Um, but you have to know that it's, it's, it's a long road. It's not, you know, I had a, a reader contact me a little while ago saying, Hey, I'm going on a trip uh, for six months and I'm going to start a blog and I want to make money with it as a travel writer. <laughs> oh, by the way, I live in two weeks. I leave in two weeks. And, you know, I had to come back to her and say, well, I'm sorry, you can't in two weeks, you can't have established a, you know, a money making blog and a, a writing career. Yeah. And it's, it's also a skill set too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, I mean, 
the art of freelancing, entrepreneurialism, the art of writing and the grasp of the English language, yeah. uh, as well as the art of writing for the medium, right? Writing for the web is different from writing for print, which is different from writing for other types of publications. So you got to know your audience and the style required. Uh, and then you got to know editors, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would say the people, be very challenging. They're the people who pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I know a lot of people who I've started to write little articles for um, different adventure companies, skiing resorts, mm -hmm. if they invite me out. And even that, it's like, uh, it's not paid, of course, but you get to try out things for free. Uh, well, you, you just, uh, you just, uh, tipped on a, a whole issue now a little bit in the travel blogging industry, which is accepting freebies. And how do you, how do you portray it? It's a legitimate, I mean, travel writers for long before the internet would accept free trips and write about them. I mean, that's how it's generally always been done. But in the travel blogging industry, now we're seeing, because it's a less regulated industry, we're seeing problems with travel bloggers accepting freebies and then posting what might be biased reviews because yeah. of it. There's a question about that. But yeah, yeah no, it is, uh, I mean, I've accepted all sorts of sponsorships throughout my uh, throughout my travels and continue to. Um, you just make sure you do it in a choosy way and make sure it's a good fit for your readers. And Yeah, and I've, I've been lucky that each experience was actually amazing anyways. So it was easy yeah. to write about, but I, I don't think I'd be able to, to lie. I mean, if it was a, a bad experience, I would just have to, to say it was a bad experience. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, <laughs> you'd lose your readers and then that's... That, and that's exactly that's it. it. So, I mean, it's a simple matter of reader integrity, but but it is a little bit surprising how some people have kind of fallen off the the rails <laughs> with with just kind of doing nothing but sponsored posts for reviews. You know, it's a budget travel site, and yet they're posting all sorts of reviews of luxury hotels. And just kind of yeah, it's backwards, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It's carrot dangled. Any budget travel would be would be lured yeah. into a state the Hilton. <laughs> And what, what, what would you say have been some of the, the biggest challenges of, of living such an unconventional life? Um, well, the, in terms of the specific lifestyle that I live right now, which, of course, is, is uh, full-time travel and one that's also financially sustainable, work-life balance is, is definitely a challenge. Um, in many of the cases, uh, <clears throat> I stay and live in places where I have free accommodation. But the accommodation does come at a cost. It's either the cost of, of taking care of pets in a house and garden or actual volunteer hours at some sort of facility, whatever it is that you're volunteering at. So balancing those volunteer hours with the relentless need to be on, you know, on social media and personal branding and writing and producing and doing everything that you need to do to make an online income. Plus, oh yeah, by the way, I'm in a really cool place. Maybe I should check it out. Uh, so there's, it's a real, and you know what? Sometimes I feel like I've traded one rat race in for another. Um, so, but the flip side to that is it is an ebb and flow thing. I mean, I control how much I work. It, it, it requires discipline in order to get done what you need to get done. But you also, there's a certain appreciation. Even if you have to work eight or even 10 hours a day, you're still, when you get home from work, your home is a new playground to, to, to discover. Yeah, so exactly. there's always something interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about the, the freedom and the flexibility because even in my case, even if you are working full-time, the same as you would home, with my fiancé being from Mexico, at least we would have the opportunity to live in Mexico for part of the year and be with her family and still working and then be back in Canada as well. Even that is a... 
is something you wouldn't be able to do with a normal job. Yes, absolutely. Yay for location independent careers. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. What would you say some of the, the best things you've learned and, uh, and have done since embracing the new life? Um, the, uh, some of the best things I've done and learned, um, well, a couple of, a couple of experiences I've had that have been very cool have been, uh, uh, volunteer wise. I've, I stayed almost nine months in New Zealand. I was volunteering at a, um, at a, a spiritual retreat and conference center, uh, an absolutely gorgeous spot there. Very nice. Um, I did a very cool, uh, English volunteer program in Spain where uh, all your expenses are paid and it's, you just practice conversational English with Spaniards. And it was an unbelievable cultural exchange that I'll never forget. Um, I've done some pretty amazing house-sitting gigs. And Grenada is a place now that I've been uh, coming back here on and off for the last year and a half. And it's, I've even uh, deigned to call it a home base now um, because, I mean, I just it's a, it's a little piece of paradise that's uh, nice to return to. So those are some things I, I've done. Some of the things I've learned, probably the biggest thing I've learned, is life is malleable. And, and I, this has been a lifelong process of learning this, but I mean, the reality is we, we regularly trap ourselves into an idea of what we should be doing. Obviously, the whole rat race concept and, and you know, the, the go to school, get a job, get married, buy a house, have kids, retire. I mean, the life template is obviously one incantation of that. Um, but we always, uh, and breaking free of that makes you realize there are other opportunities as, for example, as I did, I decided I wanted to travel full time, but even in looking at those new opportunities, you can still put yourself in a pigeonhole. Yeah. So then, then I was, you know, then for example, more recently I've, I've developed a brand name as the professional hobo traveling full time in a financially sustainable way. I've got the freelance writing, I've got the website, but all of a sudden, hold on, wait a minute. I want to create a home base. Well, that's not really compliant with the definition of full-time travel. So, well, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Well, I'm, I'm having to break a mold again. And then, so what I've learned is that there, there is no, the molds are, there are no molds to break. And if you want to redefine yourself, and then if you want to redefine yourself again, you can do that. And we all have the freedom to do that. All we have to do is, is look at the signs and take that leap of faith. Yeah, and I think as a, for sure, as an online entrepreneur, I would think you have to have a home base, even if it's a, in a different place each year, like six months at a time or three months at a time. Because I know, I know when I did the backpacking for, for 10 months, like I, I wasn't almost able to open up my laptop. Because if you're only in a place for three days, the last thing I want to <laughs> do is be on a computer. So. For the entire year of 2010, the longest I stayed anywhere was in England, and it was two and a half weeks. The rest of the time I was moving, and on average I wasn't in any place longer than, I think it was five days or a week. It was just... And it's fun, but it, it's more exhausting than a full-time job, for sure. <laughs> it is a full-time job. Yeah. So, yes, and, and the constant aggravating search for Wi-Fi is always the uh, That's true. a contender as well. And well so, so, I guess yes, the, so, the last question you had probably... probably You probably mentioned some of your favorite places. I was just going to ask, what are some of the favorite places you've been so far, and... And which would you say have been like the best for, for location independent people to, to work on their laptops and whatnot? Uh, well, some of the best places that I mentioned, of course, New Zealand is a place that I expect to return to. It's magical. Yeah. Um, I, I do love Europe, uh, and I've, I've now been around and through Europe a few times. I, I, I'm sure I'm, I'll return there. I do, especially like the Mediterranean countries. Um, 
<laughs> in terms of good locations for good places for location, oh, Vietnam. There's another road. I love Vietnam. Okay. I must go back. That was the only place I didn't go, go in Southeast Asia. Oh. Uh, it's, it's a gem. It's yeah. beautiful. I, I, yeah, no, I would go back there in a heartbeat. But again, you know what? Travel is contextual. You could go to Vietnam and have a terrible experience yeah, true. because, you know, you didn't meet the people that I did or, or whatnot. So I won't transpose it to you. <laughs> uh, I, but in terms of places to be a location independent entrepreneur, I haven't necessarily chosen the best. I've actually, the places that I've spent the most time in over the last seven years have actually been countries with a higher cost of living. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Hawaii, uh, it, not typical places for a digital nomad to go and live. Uh, but because I was volunteering in trade for my accommodation, my actual cost of living in those countries was very cheap. Uh, your standard <laughs> digital nomad, the average digital nomad would probably instead be choosing a location based on it being good for a home base and good Wi-Fi. Uh, good Wi-Fi in particular. I'm, I remember speaking to someone who said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we spent uh, nine months in, or six months in India. I said, well, where were you? They said, Bangalore. And I said, why Bangalore? And they said, best Wi-Fi in the country. <laughs> so um, there are a lot of digital nomads will, who will choose their locations based on cost of living and Wi-Fi. I tend to choose my destinations more based on an opportunity, like an opportunity for house-sitting or volunteering or visiting somebody. So I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not a, a, a great resource for great places to work. <laughs> Wi-Fi is pretty much a global phenomenon unless you're really in the bush, uh, yeah, at which true. point you, know, you can unplug for a little while. Yeah, I think it's just yeah. because some people probably choose a place where other digital nomads are, that little communities. You know, for sure a lot of Southeast Asia. I think a little bit starting in South America, but I've also heard South America Medellin, is worse for Colombia. Yeah, in a way. Worse for the Wi-Fi than than Asia. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I don't. I've never been, so I'm <laughs> yes. not sure. I've yet to make it there. I mean, I never, listen. I got to say, the, the the Wi-Fi in Grenada isn't entirely stellar, but you know, it does get the job done. You're willing to take make certain concessions. Yeah, uh, in, in order to live in a different place. And I've had some bad Wi-Fi in Canada and the U.S. So exactly. You know, My mom's connection in Toronto is notoriously bad. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? And. Um, Last question I was going to ask you is, what advice would you give to someone who's listening to this podcast who's craving to do something adventurous with his or her life? And, you know, they're probably a little, uh, a little scared at the beginning or not sure where to start or, or whatnot. You know, the, I think that the, the biggest thing that we worry about is, is, is a lot of all the what-ifs. You know, like I said at the beginning, the, the most common response I had from people who, when I announced my tr change of lifestyle that I was going to travel was, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that, but I know I never could. And when you press them a little further, you, you sometimes will get to the root of, of what it is. Why, why couldn't you? Oh, well, um, I, I couldn't sell all my stuff. I like my stuff. Or I need the security of this. Or, and I mean, everybody's got their own reasons and they're entirely legitimate. But you have to decide whether or not those reasons are enough to stop you from doing something that you want to do with your life. Um, a lot of people worry. They worry about, you know, sure, I'd love to travel, but how am I going to make money? Um, you can, I mean, I took a bit of a leap of faith in, in deciding to travel before I knew how I was going to make money doing it. But I did have the safety net of an income for two years. Yeah. So I knew I, knew, I knew I wasn't going to become destitute somewhere, anywhere. The financial planner in me would never have allowed that to happen. 
Had I not had that income, but decided that this was a lifestyle that I wanted, then I would have started the, I would have researched and started the business and gotten uh, a, a viable business up and going or a viable career idea before I quit my job. So you want to get out there, you want to do it, you need to do it. And there's going to be a leap of faith involved, but you can also plan for it as well. If you want to get a, a location independent business going, don't wait to start it until you go, <laughs> please. It will take time to build that up, but it's entirely possible. It all depends on what you want to do with your life. Yeah, and I think even in my experience, it would have been better. For most people, I think it's definitely better to start your online business or whatever business it is in the evenings after work. Yeah, in exactly. The beginning, at least. Don't, qu don't quit your day job. <laughs> Here's my advice. <laughs> in order to quit your day job, don't quit your day job just yet. <laughs> yeah, and another thing I've always told people too is like you don't, you don't have to be uh, an online entrepreneur in order to travel. <laughs> I think it's no become, goodness no. So, you, I mean, you well, could definitely you, save up at home and then just go enjoy traveling with no laptop. You can take sabbaticals. Uh, there's, I know a number of people who do that. And actually, there was a I saw a TED talk about someone, a very famous artist who closes up his offices uh, for one year every seven years. And since he started doing that, business has doubled. Who knew? <laughs> Uh, there's also, uh, if you're under 30, you can get working holiday visas. And these are opportunities to get working visas in various countries around the world, uh, usually one to two year visas. So if you get on the travel bandwagon early enough, you can work while you travel. Uh, and, and then again, and you know, if you have a skill that another country wants and you're looking to, to, uh, to try life somewhere else, you can always do that as well. Absolutely. And listen, hey, Costa Rica, Outward Bound, it's still yeah, there. there. You, go. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to pay for the course. There you go. And it sounds interesting, right? Exactly. Well, thanks a lot, Nora, for the interview. I liked, yeah, uh, you, I liked listening to the birds in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it, it's not a bad life, I must say. I can see ocean on two sides of my little terrace. It's, it's, a, it's a nice place to work in the morning. And good luck with everything, with the, with the writing career and, and the blog. Really? Brilliant. Thank maybe you. We'll have you on the show again sometime. It would be a pleasure. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks, Matt. All right. Well, that's it for Live Limitless episode number six with Nora Dunn. Uh, if you'd like to hear more about her story and read her blog, it's theprofessionalhobo.com. It was so great to, to catch up with her finally. Um, I never get tired of hearing stories of people who left such, uh, such lucrative careers that you would think are amazing but they they just they they know they want to do something else with their life and they take this big leap and that's really what live limitless is all about so i hope you learned a lot about um some location independent strategies world travel uh, online business but most of all the most important thing is just being able to take that big leap when there's something that you realize you truly want to do with your life um so yeah if you'd love to ask her a, a question please stop by livelimitless.net and leave a comment on that interview's uh, blog and I'll get her to answer that and also just uh, say hello I'd love to hear from you if you like this interview or any other Live Limitless interviews please leave a, a review on iTunes I'd appreciate it a lot next week on Live Limitless episode number seven I interview Mike Hrustowski from Hrustowski.com um, a men's coach that I met at World Domination Summit a few years ago and then again this year at Southwest in Austin and just a really amazing guy we had a we had a full one-hour interview where we talk a lot about basically personal development it's a really good one uh, I can't wait to publish that and I hope you listen to it until then have an awesome week and we'll see you again soon